Welcome to the Washington Church Toledo Podcast. Together, we are learning to encourage one another to walk with God through cultivating a personal relationship with Jesus the Christ. This podcast consists of recordings from our Sunday morning worship services and other teaching events that you are more than welcome to come join us live. Good morning, everybody. It's good to uh, be with you all. Um, before we gra- jump into the message, I, I want to uh, just remind us of, of kind of where we've been and where we're going. Um, and one of the most crucial aspects of our process, of our vision process here at Washington Church, have been these images that God gave us through the process. They, they almost just kind of rose up. And so I want to take us back to two of them because I think two of them directly tie with this journey with talking about spiritual gifts. And so the first one, I'll put it up here on the screen, is, is what we call the orchard. And the orchard is a place of growth and transformation. It's also a place of death and rebirth. Um, but as we journey through the gifts, I want us to keep this in mind to see that everybody is someplace in the orchard. It might be a seed, it might be a sprout, especially if, as spring is coming and we're starting to see things come out of the ground. Um, Some of us might be more of the trees producing fruit. Wherever it is, everybody has a place there. And everybody goes through these cycles of life. Just because you get to be a tree doesn't mean you're finished. At some point, you go through that that death and resurrection um, and renewal cycle again. Uh, So that's the first image. And I want you to keep this in mind as we talk about the gifts this morning, tonight, the rest of this series. The next one is this one, which seems pretty evident. And that's the cliff. And for a lot of us, this talking about the spiritual gifts or wrestling with the gifts feels like a cliff image of like, man, I don't know about this, or or I feel this stirring in me, or or I'm just, I'm wrestling with this. And at different points in our faith journeys, God brings us to the edge and invites us to jump and says, I'm there, I'll catch you. Um, But in order to jump, we have to surrender a lot of our own being and our own selves to do it. And I think that the gifts work that way too. And so I wanted to just highlight those two images as we get into talking about the gifts this morning. And I want us to hold those because the Lord gave those to us as, as almost pillars and foundations that birthed our vision that, that we continue to, uh, to come back to. And, and if you ever need to reflect on those, they're down in, in the room at the end of the hallway on the right. And every once in a while, I'll walk into that room and just sit on the couch and stare at those images to remind myself of those truths that the Lord has spoken to us, and it's, it's a very centering practice for me. Um, if, you, if you have your Bibles, hopefully you all have Bibles, um, we're going to be in Romans chapter 12 this morning. I'm going to go to different places, but the, the bulk of the time is going to be in Romans chapter 12. And we went over this this summer, and I told you we'd come back to it, and so we're coming back to it this morning. And we're looking at the gift list, the spiritual gift list that that Paul gives us in Romans 12. We're going to start at verse 3. But before we get to that, um, the spiritual gifts are mysterious in nature, right? The Lord gives them to us. When we have a relationship with Jesus, when we give our lives to Christ, um, God gives us those gifts. And we're going to get into that. It's a grace that God gives us. But we need each other to help figure those things out. Amen? Amen? We're not called to do it by ourselves. We're called to live life in community, and a part of that community journey is to help name those things in one another. The first two gifts that I recognized in my life um, that really were spoken over me, or I recognized because somebody else called them out in my life. So the things that I were doing, I'll give you an example. I I came here as an intern 
in 2004 out of seminary, and I, I was a basketball player. I loved basketball, played into college, and then my basketball life was over competitively. And so then it was just kind of pick up games and having fun, and, and I'd go over with a mentor to UT and, and, and play with college students. And sometimes in between games, um, I'd notice students that would be, it's like, man, you're almost there. And so either after a win or after a loss, I'd go over and just kind of give them some instruction, like, hey, next time you get the ball, consider this, this, or this. And the person that was there with me knew me well enough, and he, he said that to me. He said, I, I noticed that you, you're, you're good at teaching. And I was teaching here at Washington at the time. I was leading a ministry. I preach on Sunday mornings. And he just like spoke that out. But when he said it out loud, something clicked in me. And I thought, wait a minute, that's true. I'll give you another example. Same thing happened to me in the, in the area of leadership. Um, somebody spoke that out into my life. Where later said, I see the gift of leadership in you. And I started to reflect back in my own life. And I remember, man, if you talk to my mom, if I could bring my mom in here, she'd tell you when I was six years old, seven years old, eight years old, I would literally round up all the kids in the neighborhood and tell them what we were doing. And my wife was like, you still do that. That's what you still do to this day. And so I look back and I see that God planted these things in me very early on. And a lot of times these gifts are, that we have, that God's given to us, we don't see as gifts because they flow naturally out of us. Or we mistakenly think that everybody else is like us, but that's not the case. And so we need people in our lives that call those gifts out of us, that draw them out of us or speak that truth over us so that we can begin to recognize and realize the grace that God's put in our life. Does that make sense? Okay. I want to start with this verse out of Ephesians 2.10. This is what Paul says to the church in Ephesus. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. In other words, our, one of our great callings as followers of Jesus is that God has, has work for us to do. How many of you guys believe that that's true? Amen. Okay. Let me ask that again. How many of you guys believe that that's true, that if you're a follower of Jesus, God has work for you to do? Amen. Okay. Thank you, the rest of you, for joining us. Here's one of the, I'd say, things that we need to be reminded of as a church. That th- that which God calls us to do, he also empowers us to do. Right? He's not going to call us to do something and then leave us hanging. And a lot of what I think the empowerment is, is around the gifts of God, the spiritual gifts. So those very gifts that God has given you match the calling that he's put on your life. And we we need to be reminded of that. Because I think a lot of times, at least for me, growing up in the church, church and faith is a very intellectual practice. I learn about God, I study the scriptures, but there was very little now go and do. Of, of, as Bob Goff says, a lot of Bible study, but not a lot of Bible do. And so I think when, when we begin to wait, awaken to the gifts that God has given us, they can't help but propel us forward into the calling that God's placed in our lives and the good work that God's set aside for us to do. So really quick, before I get into Romans 12, there are three ways in which the gifts come to us. Okay? And I talked about this in the spiritual gifts class. So for those who weren't able to come, number one, they are the grace of God. Okay, we see this in Acts chapter 2, Acts chapter 4. Literally, the grace of God falls upon people in the form of the Spirit of God, and those things begin to to come out of God's people. Okay, in Acts chapter 2, they get up and they're speaking in tongues. We're talking about that tonight. 
um, in our gifts class as well as prophecy. And, and they are very moved with the Spirit of God. And, then, and the, begin, the gifts begin to, to pour out upon the, the apostles and upon the 120 in the room. And, and it's just this wildfire of people coming to, to Jesus as their Lord and Savior as a result of the gifts being used. So that's the first example. But that's called impartation. And that's something that you didn't have that's given to you. Literally, the grace of God comes upon you and gives you a gift. And if you're a follower of Jesus, you have a gift. Each and every one of us has at least one gift, but we have access to all the gifts. Okay, so impartation is, is what it's called. The second is the laying on of hands. Okay, and this is a mystery to me. I don't fully understand this, but I look at the scriptures. This is what it says, so I believe it. Hebrews 6 talks about this. Okay, it talks about, Therefore, let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and to be taken forward to maturity, not laying again the foundation of repentance from acts that lead to death and of faith in God. Instruction about cleansing rites and the laying on of hands, the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And God permitting, we will do so. So again, the, the author of Hebrews is reminding the church that laying on of hands was a normal part of practice of the faith. And there, there's a mystery to this. The understanding is if somebody has a gift or has been empowered with the Spirit of God, they literally pray over you, lay hands on you, and, and God uses that person to bring about the gifts within you. Okay? Again, I don't fully get it, but that's what the Scriptures say. And so that should be a normal practice within the church, seeking others out. So we can talk to God about this and say, Lord, I want that gift. Or, or oftentimes, if the Lord stirs in your heart around a gift, that tells you something. Either you got it, or God wants you to chase after that and seek after that. And to, to go to people uh, of faith and say, hey, would you lay hands on me? Would you pray for me around this gift? So that's the second. And the third is, is out of prophecy. Okay, this is another one of the things that the church doesn't understand well. We're going to be talking about this tonight. I didn't have a, a, a healthy understanding of it. I had a misconception of prophecy. And now after reading several books about it, I feel like I'm getting closer to, to what uh, the understanding of New Testament prophecy is. But essentially, when somebody speaks prophetically over your life, they are literally speaking words that the Lord gave them to speak over you. It might be an image, it might be a picture, it might be a word. And what that is doing is drawing you out into a new reality, a greater reality for which God has for you. And, and the Lord will give you the gifts to move into that greater reality to accomplish what God has called you to do. Okay? So we see this in, in 1 Timothy 4.14. Paul is saying to Timothy, do not neglect your gift, which was given you through prophecy. Right there is where we see it. When the body of elders laid their hands on you. Okay, so literally the body of elders laid hands and prophesied over Timothy. And from that, Paul saying, hey, when that happened, you, the gifts were given to you. You need to start living out of those gifts. So Timothy, live out of those gifts. So we have the grace of God that falls on us. We, have the, we can say it's all grace. The grace of God that comes through others laying hands on us. And the grace of God, the gifts that come upon us through somebody else speaking prophetically into our life, drawing us out. Okay, so those are the three ways in which we receive the spiritual gifts. Now, Romans 12, without foundation set. Verse 3, for by the grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you, exactly like we talked about. For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ, we, though many, form one body, 
And each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. If your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. My heart's desire this morning is that you would look for yourself in this text and ask yourself, do I have these gifts? Or do I desire these gifts? Because this is what I want to do. I'm going to go through this and I'm going to touch on each of these gifts, just give you a basic understanding, not this Sunday, but next Sunday we're going to revisit Romans 12 in a deeper aspect. And then we're going to, I'm going to invite you into groups after I'm done teaching and you're going to get into groups and you're going to have that conversation. I want you to share with somebody else what gift do you have that you think you might have or, or that you want. And then we're going to have a time of praying over one another around those gifts, okay? Laying hands on each other and asking for those gifts to come. Or if we already have those gifts, for, for the Lord to increase our capacity with those gifts. And then you guys are going to be invited to take communion together out of those groups that you spent time praying for one another in. So that's, that's the plan of what we're doing this morning, Okay. Verse 3, for by grace given me, I say to every one of you, do not think of yourself more highly than you ought, but rather think of yourself with sober judgment in accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. So faith has been distributed to us, and the gifts come through that grace that God has given us, because they are an expression of grace, and literally um, the gifts, what they mean is come out of the root, the Greek word for grace. Okay? And, it, and if you're struggling with this as a community, or you're struggling with this, I would take you back to Romans 12.2 that talks about the invitation to renew your mind. Okay? We all need to go through a process. Not only when we get saved, when we give our lives to Christ, our, our spirit, the Spirit of God comes in and dwells in our spirit, but there's a lot of different aspects of who we are that also need to be worked through and dealt with, and our mind is, is a major part of that. So our minds need to be renewed to understand what, what's, what's going on here. Okay, so we need to work on renewing our minds. Verse 4, For just as each of us has one body with many members, and these members do not all have the same function, so in Christ we, though many, form one body, and each member belongs to all the others. And this is a lot of what we talked about last week, if you were here, when Shannon joined me and she did a great job um, talking about the body and, and how the body works and, and how all the parts come together. And Paul expounds on this in 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians 12. So I'd encourage you to spend some time there looking at that. And then he goes into this. We have, verse 6, we have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So again, these gifts are directly tied to the grace of God bestowed upon God's people. And that's what we need to, to remember. Um, and, and when it comes to the gifts, if you wrestle with, well, I'm not sure what I have or what I should be asking for, in, in 1 Corinthians 4.14, Paul answers that. He says, try to excel in the gifts that build up the church. So if you're not sure what your, your gifts are, or you're wrestling with spiritual gifts in general, I would invite you to pray this prayer. Father, what gifts does Washington Church need? Give those to me. That's a powerful prayer that God will answer. And I think it was the first night that we got together um, and in the spiritual gifts class that, that somebody was telling a story about somebody who was there, and that's, that's what they prayed. And I was so encouraged by that, by the humility of that. Because literally what you're doing is you're seeing the gifts for what they are. Not for us, but for the community that, that we're placed in. For where God has us. And so if that's the case, our, our desire, our heart's desire should be not to build ourselves up, but to build our community up. 
And so we're asking God, give me what is needed so that I can pour into the community of faith that I'm a part of and build that up. And again, God will answer that. And then it goes on to say, if, if your gift is prophesying, then prophesy in accordance with your faith. If it is serving, then serve. If it is teaching, then teach. If it is to encourage, then give encouragement. If it is in giving, then give generously. If it is to lead, do it diligently. If it is to show mercy, do it cheerfully. I'm not going to talk about prophecy this morning because we're going to talk about that tonight. So I'm going to set that one aside and we'll get into that. But one of the things that's really fascinating here that jumped out at me is that phrase, in accordance to your faith. So the gifts are given by grace, but those, it seems like the gifts are used and the amount of gift we have is directly in proportion to our faith around the gifts. So we have a choice of what we bring to the table, okay? We can come before the Lord and say, Lord, here's, here's my capacity of faith around the spiritual gifts. And God will fill that and invite you to use it, okay? Or we, we can bump it up a bit. I found a communion cup downstairs. We can bring this and say, Lord, here's my capacity of faith. And, and again, Jesus says it only takes a mustard seed to move a mountain. So keep that in mind. But we bring this and we say, Lord, this is the amount of faith that I have right now around spiritual gifts, around, and a lot of, I think, our faith and capacity of faith around our spiritual gifts is directly tied to our identity and how we see ourselves. Because if we don't see ourselves of value or of worth, then we're not going to be assuming that a, any good father is going to give us any good gifts because we don't see ourselves as worthy of that. And so that's something we need to get over. Actually, we need to repent of that because that's the antithesis of what the scriptures say is true of us. Okay, because we are chosen, we are loved, and we are, we, we are co-inheritors with Christ in what we've been given. Or we can move up and scale. Okay? We can bring this cup to the table. Or I was fishing around my house this morning, and I found this one. Okay, we can go there, we can go eight-ounce style, or we can go, go big, walleye, all-star weekend, cup size. Again, it's up to us. We could go, I raided the kitchen, I found this one. I think Jesus would say, I have not seen such great, great faith in all of Toledo if we, if we were bringing this size. And then, hey, we had this baby downstairs, so I brought this one in case we wanted to really cook something up, up good. Um, but it's, it's up to us. According to Paul, it's up to us. And so that's one of the things I would be inviting you to reflect on this morning is, is what faith am I bringing to the table? What faith do I have that God could use me around the gifts or that I even have a gift? Okay, it has to start there. But who am I is really where that is. And so I'm, I'm going to leave these up here as an image for you guys to reflect on as, as I keep going. And, he, and then he jumps into service. Or I'll skip prophecy and go into service. The word service in Greek is, is diakonai. It's where we get our word deacon from. It means to, to serve, to minister, executing the commands of others, those who help meet the need by collecting and distributing charities. So if you find yourself on that, that team um, or have signed up to help out with the Afghan refugees, you might have the gift of service. If that naturally came out of you and you, you thought to yourself, I want to help with that. Because that's what the gift of service does. It sees something that's needed and it says, I want to jump on that and I want to help with that. 
And those of you who might be in the, in the core inner circle, that core group of, of leadership, you might have the gift of leadership if you're on that, that Afghan core group, okay? Again, something to, to, to think about. Uh, Luke uses this word to describe Martha in the Mary and Martha uh, scene in Luke uh, 1040. When Martha's running around trying to get her house in order and probably try to make a meal when Jesus is there, okay, that's service. That's the gift of service. Now, why does the church need the gift of service? Because nothing would get done if we didn't have people with the gift of service who are saying, I see myself in that. I can do that. Yeah, let me do that. Okay? That's the gift of service. The next thing is teaching. Okay, the Greek word is didasko. Didasko means to teach, to instruct another, to teach doctrine of faith, to explain or expound something. Jesus calls Nicodemus a teacher of Israel in John 3.10. Okay? Why do we need teachers? Paul says this in Ephesians 4.14. I think he answers that question. He says, Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. We as a church need teachers because we need a foundation of what is the faith. We need doctrines. We need to learn those things so we can build on those things so we can live out our faith. And teachers help us do that. And so he says, and, and, and again, one of the things that he says in here is, if this is your gift, then do it. It's not, if this is your gift, thank God for it. If this is your gift, if you are a teacher, you need to be teaching. So one of my heart's desires is that we be a church that sets spaces where people, if, if your gift is teaching or you think you might be a teacher, we want to create spaces where you can teach. I had this amazing meeting with Andrew and, and Mitch and Corey, and they were talking about putting this group together of, of men or just people who are interested in diving into the text, but also to challenge people to lead that and teach from it. And I, I was listening to this meeting we had at, at Andrew's house, and I was like, this is, this is it. This is a great example of creating spaces where we can begin to pour into people and invite them to, to have their gifts come out of them and raise up, okay? And so this summer, if you see a lot of different people up here teaching, that's why, because we want to raise people up. We want to raise teachers up. We want to raise everybody up in their gifts, like we talked about last week with, that Shannon talked about, but that's what the teachers do. The next is encouragement. If you are uh, an encourager, it means to call to one side. Literally, the Greek word parakaleo means to call to one side. Paul uses this word in almost every gospel that he wrote, the word encouragement. I encourage you. He talks about encouraging one another. It's a word that's commonly used when he's talking about the church and how the church should function with each other. Why do we need need encouragement in the church? Do I need to answer that question? (laughs) Because we all need to be encouraged. We all need to be. We all need to be built into. If you've ever had somebody who has the gift of encouragement and they're in your life, every time you're around them, you feel like this new breath of fresh air is breathed into you. Because they, what they do is they speak truth into to your life. Okay, and there's certain, certain of these gifts, as we look at them, we need to say to ourselves, hey, everybody should be doing this. But some of those people have the gift of doing that. And when they do it, they are literally speaking God's words into you, and that's why you're coming alive, because the, the, the very presence of God is speaking in them is speaking to the presence of God in you, and it's recognizing it, and it's coming alive. And so we need those with a gift of encouragement. We need you to be going around and encouraging each other. This is an area I will sh- share with you that I'm not great at. 
I'm not, this is not one of my gifts. But I recognize the value of encouragement, and so I try and work at it. I try and encourage my staff. I try and encourage the people around me the best that I can, but it doesn't naturally flow. I have to think to myself, how can I encourage here? What is something I can say to encourage? Or when I sit down and write a note, I sit down and I think, how can I encourage this person? Right? But it, these are, these are, so there's gifts, and then there's things that we all should be doing. This is one of the things that we should all be doing, is encouraging each other. Hebrews 10.25 talks about this. Not giving up meeting together, as in coming together for worship, as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. Again, we're all called to encourage one another, because it builds us up. Next is giving. The Greek word is metadidomi, which didomi means to give, meta means to, to beyond, so literally giving beyond is what that word means. So <clears throat> to give, to give beyond something that you have, and give something away to somebody else. And it says, if that's your gift, you are to do it generously. Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians when he's talking to the church in verse 6. He says, remember this. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he's talking about giving here. He's not talking about planting seeds in the ground. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And God is able to bless you abundantly so that you in all things at all times have, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Set a timer so I'd be done at a certain time. Not even close. Thank you, Ginny. Thank you for the encouragement, Ginny. Um, and this, this may sound harsh. Giving is a barometer for maturity and faith. So is encouragement. So are a lot of these gifts. But we are all called, and, and I'll, I'll skip these verses, but essentially, um, way back in Second Chronicles, God is talking to his people about giving. So this is not something new. This is something that God, since, since the moment God has had a relationship with human beings, he's asked something of us. One of that thing that's asked of us is to hold our material possessions lightly and with open hands. And so this idea of a tithe, which is 10%, which comes from actually Moses' interaction with the high priest way back when, that's where we get it from, that is actually the baseline invitation for Christians to function off of. So if you're here this morning and, and you don't give at all, this is an invitation to take a look at your life and say, Lord, what are you inviting me into? And again, like Paul says, with a cheerful heart. This is not a, a, a screw the thumbs in or the screw down message at all. This is just, let me look at my life. Let me reflect because we're all called to give. There's a difference between giving and giving generously, which is what the, the spiritual gift that Paul's talking about. Um, but we're all called to give. And the, and the invitation is to surrender and say, Lord, it's yours anyway. Um, and I could go into, at some point I'll do a series on giving, but I had, this is something I had to work at in my life. I was not a cheerful giver. I was not hardly a giver at all. And, my, and, and the Holy Spirit and the other fourth member of the Trinity, my wife, had to teach me how to give uh, in seminary, actually, ironically. I was in seminary, starting to be a pastor, and I was terrible at giving. And she's like, well, we're going to do it. I was like, you don't understand. We, if we gave, we will ha- not eat. So what do you want to do? She's like, we're giving. And obviously, I didn't go without meals. Um, so giving's an important thing that we all are invited to do. 
but those who give generously, man, that's how things move forward. That's how things, buildings get built. That's how generous givers are amazing people. I've sat amongst them. I've seen their generosity. Um, but the Lord literally moves in them in such a way. And you see those people function, and you're like, how do you do it? And then you see the Lord pour into their life even more in response to their generosity. And so if, if that's you, if you're in a place where you feel like, man, I love giving, but I wrestle with how much to give or whatever it is, just say, Lord, use me in this, in the same way that we'd ask in any other gifts. Uh, leading, okay? Leading means to set something before. God places leaders over us. First Timothy 5.12, we ask you brothers to respect those who labor among you and are over you in the Lord and admonish you. We, we are designed to be led. We are people who are designed to be led. God puts leaders in our lives, and we appreciate that. And I've heard somebody say once, we appreciate that right up until it gets uncomfortable. And then we don't. Amen, Pastor Jimmy. Amen. <laughs> and that's just how it is. Because we like to be comfortable. We like... But when our leaders are speaking to us in truth, it's hard to like, be the one who's the leader and also give this part of the message, as well as the giving part. That's always awkward, too. But in all honesty, we are called to respect our elders, not old people, but the elders in the church and our leaders, because God's placed them in that place. And they're there for a reason, and they're there to take us and invite us to go deeper in our relationship and our walk with the Lord. And if, you're, if you have a leader who's not doing that, or you're sitting under a leader who's not doing that in faith, that's not leading. But again, we like to go as far as we like to go comfortably, and then we kind of say, nah. And then, and then not for everybody, but for, for, for some, when we're pushed farther, we either push back, or we either walk away, or we bite. That's, that's been my experience. Or somebody, my friend of mine told me that once, that that was the case. So I, I call those biting sheep. Um, but we need leaders. Okay? And they, we're told to lead diligently. If you, are a lead, if you have the gift of leadership, it's time to lead. It's time to step up and lead. It's time to be bold. It's time to trust. And that's where we need as a community of faith to be willing to make mistakes. And, and if we have people that we, we try and build up, again, the gifts are something that, that need to be grown and worked on. They don't flow right away. It's not like you get the gift of leadership and all of a sudden you're this spectacular leader. You've got to develop that like a muscle in the same way of everything else. Again, I shared this before. My first sermon was not as good as, as the one I'm giving you now. Okay? I wouldn't want to go back and listen to it. Okay? So praise God, there's been growth in that area. But we need to give patience with each other and patience with ourselves. If you are, let me step aside from the gift list around leadership and say this. If you are a man and you are in a marriage, it's time to step up and lead. Lead your children, lead your wife in your faith. That's what you're called to do. Okay? And if you need to, you need to say, honey, how can I do this better? And if you're a wife in here, I would encourage you to speak truth into your husband and say, here's what I see in you. Keep going. Here's what I see you can work on. Okay? Because we need to step up as men and we need to lead. You can lead in your homes. You can lead in, in relationships. Um, you can lead at work. Okay? If, if you are leading at work in some way, ask the people under you, how am I doing as a leader? How can I grow as a leader? How can I do a better job and be a better leader? That's what good leaders do. They lead with humility and with grace. And finally, mercy is the last one on the list. Mercy, aleo, means to help the afflicted, to bring help to the wretched. Mercy is a core attribute of God. 
It's a part of who God is. We are all called to show mercy because we have a God that's merciful. And so we as his children should inherit those traits and we should live those out. But we need to live into mercy. I was having a conversation with somebody who has the gift of mercy and is, is exploring that gift of mercy. And this person came to me and shared with me the struggle of, because of, literally, if you have the gift of mercy, you can feel oftentimes what others feel. The pain that somebody else feels, you can take on yourself. The Lord will give you that pain. Why? Because God cares. And at first, if we don't know what we're doing, we see that as a burden and we don't want it. But when we begin to, to realize, no, 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 this is not a burden, but this is a gift. And so what I encourage that person to do is I, I said, next time you feel that, because this person feels that when they show up on Sunday mornings, and, and this person knows it's not me, but I'm feeling this because this is what's going on in this space. I said, step back and ask God to show you who's feeling that way, and then to go and pray for them. Because what's happening is this. This is why the gift of mercy is radical. You are literally feeling the heart of God for somebody who's wounded or needs to be prayed for or set free in some way. And so because God doesn't want that person to stay in that state, he's allowing you to feel the way God feels so that you do something about it. How awesome is God? So it's not a burden, it's a gift. Because as soon as we begin to pray over that person and they experience healing, that goes away. The person with the gift of mercy no longer feels that way because the issue has been begun to be healed and dealt with. Because God wants it to be healed. God doesn't want us to, to endure and to live with those things. So be open to the good gifts of the Father. Ask yourself, man, what is my gift? I'm hoping you wrestle with this. If you don't know what your gift is, I'm hoping you go home today and the Spirit of God won't leave you alone. You can't just watch TV. That you go, man, what is my gift? Man, maybe I should go to that spiritual gift class. That's a good idea. And then you begin to ask those questions. Okay, Lord, show me what it is. Or you go to the people around you who you trust, who know you well, and you say, hey, what do you see in me? And you get a, a list of the gifts. I think in the, the first week of the daily quiet time material, you can go back. We'll email it to you if you don't have it. Ask the church for it. There's a whole list of all the gifts that I could find within the scriptures. And you pour over that and you say, okay, Lord, I'm going to pray through each and every one of these until I figure out what my gift is. And once I figure it out, then it's like, okay, game on. Then it becomes, what size container are you bringing to the table? And you're asking yourself, okay, Lord, maybe, maybe you start with this. And then you, you see the gift within you and you, you're encouraged and you can, okay, I can go to this. And then I can go to this. And then on and on. That should be the desire to, to build that up because, again, it's not for you. It's for us. Each and every one of us benefit when we're willing to go through that process. And each and every one of you has a gift. If you have a relationship with Jesus, you have a gift. And it's our obligation to discover what that is and to begin to live out of it. Again, not for us, but for everyone else. So this is what we're going to do. We're going to break up into groups, and we're going to have that conversation with, with just maybe two or three people around you. Okay, we'll say three or four, no more than four. So you're going to get into groups of, of three and four, and you're going to ask that question. You're going to share with them what you think your gift is. If you don't know what it is, that's okay. You can just say, I'm not sure. And if it's somebody who knows you, you can ask them, what do you think we looked at this list. You have Romans 12 open. If you want to go flip to 1 Corinthians 12, you can do that. You can go back and forth between the two, and you can kind of pick through those lists, and you can say, hey, what do you think? 
Or if as we're talking about some of these things, something stirred in you or jumped in you, pay attention to that. That's probably the spirit of God saying, hey, guess what? I want you to have this. And I want you to start living it out. Okay? And then after you've shared with each other, either what your gift is, or if you don't know, shared amongst one another about what your gifts might be, or shared what you, what you desire. What is the desire that God's put on your heart for that? Then I want you to take time to pray over each and every person, to lay hands on each other, just like the Bible says. We're going to lay hands on each other. We're going to ask that God would increase the gifts we already have, or to give us new gifts, and to ask boldly to bring your container to the table, bring your faith to the table and say, Lord, I want this. Give this to me. And wrestle with God around that, okay? And then when you're done praying together, you're going to be invited to come to the tables. We don't have any servers. You guys will just come up in your groups and you'll serve one another. Uh, we have the gluten-free option over there. If you need that, that's, that's over there. And before we get into that, let me just share this with you. And then I invite you to, to get into your groups and spend some time together. And, uh, and then take communion together. And then we'll worship one last song and then we'll, uh, we'll have the benediction and we'll be done. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he broke bread, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take and eat. In the same way, he took the cup, and he said, this is the cup of the new covenant. This is my blood shed for the forgiveness of sins. Every time you partake in this, be reminded of the fact that you have been forgiven and that you have new life in Christ. So go ahead right now. Get into groups of three or four and have those conversations around the spiritual gifts. And then I want to encourage you guys to, to be praying over each other, laying hands on each other. And then after you're done with that, come to the communion table and partake together. Thanks for listening. If you're looking for a way to get plugged into what we're doing, email us at office at or go to our website, washingtonchurch.org.